Industrial Revolution, Part 3. But he remembered later, when the gig had left and Jung called him to his office. Avis came too by request. As she entered, she asked why. You were visiting your folks Earthside last year, Jung said. Nobody else in the station has been back as recently as that. What can I tell you? I'm not sure. Background, perhaps. The feel of the place. We don't really know, out in the belt, what's going on there. The beamcast news is hardly a trickle. Besides, you have more common sense in your left little toe than that big Mick yonder has on his entire copper-plated head. They seated themselves in the cobwebby low-G chairs around Jung's desk. Blades took out his pipe and filled the bowl with his tobacco ration for today. Wouldn't it be great, he thought dreamily, if this old briar turned out to be an Aladdin's lamp and the smoke condensed into a blonde she-Canadian. Wake up, will you? Jung barked. Huh? Blades started. Oh, sure. What's the matter? You looked like a fish on Friday. Maybe, with reason. Did you notice anything unusual with that party you were escorting? Yes, indeed. What? About 175 centimeters tall, yellow hair, blue eyes, and some of the smoothest fourth-order curves I ever— Mike, stop that! Avis sounded appalled. This is serious. I agree. She'll be leaving in a few more watches. The girl bit her lip. You're too old for that mooncalf rot, and you know it. Agreed again. I feel more like a bull. Blades made pawing motions on the desktop. There's a lady present, Jung said. Blade saw that Avis had gone quite pale. I'm sorry, he blurted. I never thought. I mean, you've always seemed like one of the boys, she finished for him in a brittle tone. Sure, forget it. What's the problem, Jimmy? Jung folded his hands and stared at them. I can't quite define that, he answered, word by careful word. Perhaps I've simply gone space dizzy. But when we called on Admiral Hulse, and later when he called on us, didn't you get the impression of, well, wariness? Didn't he seem to be watching and probing every minute we were together? Odin called him a cheerful sort, Blade nodded. Stiff as molasses on Pluto, but I suppose, suppose he's just natural that way. Jung shook his head. It wasn't a normal standoffishness. You've heard me reminisce about the time I was on Vesta with a North American technical representative when the convention was negotiated. Yes, I've heard that story a few times, said Avis dryly. Remember that was right after the Europa incident. It come close to a space war, undeclared, but it would have been nasty. We were still close. Every delegate went to that conference cocked and primed. Hosts had the same manner. A silence fell. Blades said at length, well, come to think of it, he did ask some rather odd questions. He seemed to twist the conversation now and then, so he could find things out like our exact layout, emergency doctrine, and so forth. It didn't strike me as significant, though. Nor me, Jung admitted. Taken in isolation, it meant nothing. But these visitors today, sure, most of them obviously didn't suspect anything untoward, but that Liebknecht now, why was he so interested in central control? Nothing new or secret there, yet he kept asking for details like the shielding factor of the walls. So did Commander Warburton, Blaze remembered. Also, he wanted to know exactly when the palace is due, how long she'll stay. Hmm, yes, whether we have any radio linkage with the outside, like to Ceres, or even the nearest commission base. Did you tell him that we don't? Avis asked sharply. Yes, shouldn't I have? It scarcely makes any difference, Jung said in a resigned voice. As thoroughly as they went over the ground, they'd have seen what we do and do not have installed so far. He leaned forward. Why are they hanging around? he asked. 
I was handed some story about overhauling the missile system. Me too, Blade said. But you don't consider a job complete till it's been tested, and you don't fire a test shot to even a dummy this close to a station. Besides, what could have gone wrong? I can't see a ship departing Earth orbit for a long cruise without everything being in order, and they didn't mention any meteorites, any kind of trouble en route. Furthermore, why do the work here? The Navy Yards at Ceres. We can't spare them any decent amount of materials or tools or help. Blades frowned, his own half-formulated doubts shouldered to the fore, which was doubly unpleasant after he'd been considering Ellen Ziska. They tell me the international situation at home is okay, he offered. Avis nodded. What news faxes we get in the mail indicate as much, he said. So why this hanky-panky? After a moment, in a changed voice, Jimmy, you begin to scare me a little. I scare myself, Jung said. Every morning when you de-beard, Blade said, but his heart wasn't in it. He shook himself and protested. Damnation, they're our own countrymen. We're engaged in a lawful business. Why should they do anything to us? Maybe Avis can throw some light on that, Jung suggested. The girl twisted her fingers together. Not me, she said. I'm no politician. But you were home not so long ago. You talked with people, read the news, watched the 3V. Can't you at least give us an impression? No. Well, of course, the preliminary guns of the election campaign were already being fired. The Social Justice Party was talking a lot about... Oh, it seems so ridiculous that I didn't pay much attention. They talked about how the government had been pouring billions and billions of dollars into space, while overpopulation produced crying needs in America's backyard, Jung said. We know that much, even in the belt. We know the appropriations are due to be cut. Now the SJs are in. So what? We don't need a subsidy any longer, Blades remarked. It'd help a lot, but we can get along without it if we have to, and personally, I prefer that. Less government money means less government control. Sure, there was more than that involved, however. The SJs are complaining about the small return on the investment. Not enough materials coming back to Earth. Well, for Jupiter's sake, Blades exclaimed. What do they expect? We have to build up our capabilities first. They even said, some of them, that enough reward never would be gotten. That, under existing financial policies, the belt would go in for its own expansion, use nearly everything it produced for itself, and export only a trickle to America. I had to explain to several of my parents' friends that I wasn't really a socially responsible capitalist. Is that all the information you have? Jung asked when she fell silent. I suppose so. Everything was so vague. No dramatic events. More of an atmosphere than a concrete thing. Still, you confirm my own impression, Jung said. Blades jerked his undisciplined imagination back from the idea of a thing with bug eyes and tentacles cast in reinforced concrete and listened as his partner summed up. The popular feeling at home has turned against private enterprise. You can hardly call a corporate monster like systemic developments a private enterprise. The new president and congress share that mood. We can expect to see it manifested in changed laws and regulations. But what's this got to do with a battleship parked a couple of hundred kilometers from us? If the government doesn't want the asteroids to develop much further, Blades bit hard on his pipe stem, they must know we have a caviar mine here. We'll be the only city in this entire sector. But we're still a baby, Avis said. We won't be important for years to come. Who'd have it in for a baby? Besides, we're Americans too, Jung said. If that were a foreign ship, the story might be different. Wait a minute, could they be thinking of establishing a new base here? The convention wouldn't allow, said Blades. Treaties can always be renegotiated, or even denounced. 
but first you have to investigate quietly, find out if it's worth your while. Ha <laughs> ha, what lovely money that'd mean. And lovely bureaucrats crawling out of every file cabinet, Jung said grimly. No, thank you. We'll fight any such attempt to the last lawyer. We've got a good basis, too, in our charter. If the suit is tried on Ceres, as I believe it has to be, we'll get a sympathetic court as well. Unless they ring in an Earthside judge, Avis warned. Yeah, that's possible. Also, they could spring proceedings on us without notice. We've got to find out in advance so we can prepare. Any chance of pumping some of those officers? Afraid not, Avis said. The few who'd be in the know are safely back on shipboard. We could invite him here individually, said Blades. As a matter of fact, I already have a date with Lieutenant Ziska. What? Avis's mouth fell open. Yup, Blades said complacently. End of the next watch, so she can observe the palace arriving. I'm to fetch her on a scooter. He blew a fat smoke ring. Look, Jimmy, can you keep everybody off the porch for a while, then? Starlight, privacy, soft music on the piccolo. Who knows what I might find out? You won't get anything from her, Avis spat. No secrets or, or anything. Still, I look forward to making the attempt. Come on, pal, pass the word. I'll do as much for you sometime. Times like that never seem to come for me, Jung groaned. Oh, let him play around with his suicide blonde, Avis said furiously. We others have work to do. I, I'll tell you what, Jimmy, let's not eat in the mess tonight. I'll draw rations and fix us something special in your cabin. A scooter was not exactly the ideal steed for a knight to convey his lady. It amounted to little more than three saddles and a locker set atop an accumulator-powered gyrogravitic engine sufficient to lift you off an asteroid and run at low acceleration. There were no navigating instruments. You locked the autopilot's radar-gravitic sensors onto your target object, and it took you there, avoiding any bits of debris which might pass near, but you must watch the distance indicator and press the deceleration switch in time. If the pilot was turned off, free maneuver became possible, but that was a dangerous thing to try before you were almost on top of your destination. Stereoscopic vision fails beyond six or seven meters, and the human organism isn't equipped to gauge cosmic momenta. Nevertheless, Ellen was enchanted. This is like a dream, her voice murmured in Blade's earplug. The whole universe, on every side of us. I could almost reach out and pluck those stars. You must have trained in powered spacesuits at the Academy, he said, for lack of a more poetic rejoinder. Yes, but that's not the same. We had to stay near Luna's nightside to be safe from solar particles and a bit of great chunk out of the sky. And then everything was so regulated, disciplined. We did what we were ordered to do and that was that. Here I feel free. You can imagine how free, hastily. Do you use this machine often? Well, yes. We have about twenty scooters at the station. They're the most convenient way of flitting with a load out to the mirrors to change accumulators, for instance or across to one of the companion rocks where we're digging some ores that the sod doesn't have, that kind of work. Blades would frankly rather have had her behind him on a motor skimmer, hanging on as they careened through a springtime countryside. He was glad when they reached the main forward airlock and debarked. He was still gladder when the suits were off. Lieutenant Zisker in dress uniform was stunning, but Ellen in civvies, a fluffy low-cut blouse, and close-fitting slacks was a hydrogen blast. He wanted to roll over and pant, but settled for saying, Welcome back, and holding her hand rather longer than necessary. With a shy smile, she gave him a package. I drew this before leaving, she said. I thought, well, your life is so austere. A demi of Sandman, he said reverently. I won't tell you you shouldn't have, but I will tell you you're a sweet girl. No, really, she flushed. 
after we've put you to so much trouble. Let's go crack this, he said. The palace is called in, but she won't be visible for a while yet. They made their way to the veranda, picking up a couple of glasses en route. Bless him. Bless his envious heart, Jimmy had warned the other boys off as requested. I hope Avis cooks him a garden bleu dinner, Blaze thought. Nice kid, Avis, if she'd quit trying to, what, mother me? He forgot about her, with Ellen to seat by the rail. The milky way turned her hair frosty and glowed in her eyes. Blades poured the port with much ceremony and raised his glass. Here's to your frequent return, he said. Her pleasure dwindled a bit. I don't know if I should drink to that. We aren't likely to be back, ever. Drink anyway. Gling glang gloria. The rims tinkled together. After all, said Blades, this isn't the whole universe. We'll both be getting around. See you on Luna? Maybe. He wondered if he was pushing matters too hard. She didn't look at ease. Oh well, he said. If nothing else, this has been a grand break in the monotony for us. I don't wish the Navy ill, but if trouble had to develop, I'm thankful it developed here. Yes. How's the repair work progressing? Slowly, I hope. I don't know. You should have some idea, being in QM. No supplies have been drawn. Blade stiffened. What's the matter? Ellen sounded alarmed. Huh? A fine conspirator I make if she can see my emotions on me in neon capitals. Nothing, nothing, it's just seemed a little strange, you know, not taking any replacement units. I understand the work is only a matter of making certain adjustments. Then they should have finished a lot quicker, shouldn't they? Please, she said unhappily, let's not talk about it. I mean, there are such things as security regulations. Blades gave up on that tack, but Jung's idea might be worth probing a little. Sure, he said. I'm sorry I didn't mean to pry. He took another sip as he hunted for suitable words. A beautiful girl, a golden wine, and vice versa. Why couldn't he simply relax and enjoy himself? Did he have to go fretting about what was probably a perfectly harmless conundrum? Yes, however recreation might still combine with business. Permit me to daydream, he said, leaning close to her. The Navy's going to establish a new base here, and the Altair will be assigned to it. Daydream indeed, she laughed, relieved to get back to a mere flirtation. Ever hear about the convention of Vesta? Treaties can be negotiated, Blades plagiarized. What do we need an extra base for, especially since the government plans to spend such large sums on social welfare? They certainly don't want to start an arms race besides. Blades nodded. Jimmy's notion did seem pretty thin, he thought with a slight chill, and now I guess it's completely whiffed. Mostly to keep the conversation going, he shrugged and said, My partner and me, too, aside from the privilege of your company, wouldn't have wanted it anyhow. Not that we're unpatriotic, but there are plenty of other potential bases and would rather keep government agencies out of here. Can you these days? Pretty much. We're under a new type of charter as a private partnership. The first such charter in the belt, as far as I know, though there'll be more in the future. The Bank of Ceres financed us. We haven't taken a nickel of federal money. Is that possible? Just barely. I'm no economist, but I can see how it works. Money represents goods and labor. Hitherto, those have been in mighty short supply out here. Government subsidies make up the difference, enabling us to buy from Earth. But now the asteroids have built up enough population and industry that they have some capital surplus of their own to invest in projects like this. Even so, frankly, I'm surprised that two men by themselves could get such a loan. It must be huge. Wouldn't the bank rather have lent the money to some corporation? To tell the truth, we have friends who pulled wires for us. Also, it was done partly on ideological grounds. 
A lot of asteroids would like to see more strictly homegrown enterprises not committed to anyone on Earth. That's the only way we can grow. Otherwise, our profits, our net production, that is, will continue to be siphoned off for the mother country's benefit. Well, Ellen said with some indignation, that was the whole reason for planting asteroid colonies. You can't expect us to set you up in business at enormous cost to ourselves, things we might have done at home, and get nothing but tar in return. Never fear, we'll repay you with interest, Blade said, but whatever we make from our own work, over and above that, ought to stay here with us. She grew angrier. Your kind of attitude is what provoked the voters to elect social justice candidates. Nice name, Nat, mused Blades. Who can be against social justice? But you know I think I'll go into politics myself. I'll organize the North American Motherhood Party. You wouldn't be so flippant if you'd go see how people have to live back there. As bad as here? Phew. Nonsense, you know that isn't true, but bad enough, and you aren't going to stick in these conditions. Only a few hours ago you were bragging about the millions you intend to make. Millions and millions if my strength holds out, leered Blades, thinking of the alley in Arisopolis. But he decided that this was then, and Ellen was now, and what had started as a promising little party was turning into a dismal argument about politics. Let's not fight, he said. We've got different orientations, and we'll only make each other mad. Let's discuss our next battle instead. The Cockdor in Paris, shall we say. The Moraines in New York. She calmed down, but her look remained troubled. You're right, we are different, she said low, isolated, living and working under conditions you can hardly imagine on Earth. And you can't really imagine our problems. Yes, you're becoming another people. I hope it'll never go so far that... No, I don't want to think about it. She drained her glass and held it out for a refill, smiling. Very well, sir. When do you next plan to be in Paris? An exceedingly enjoyable while later... The time came to go watch the palace castle manoeuvre in. In fact, it had somehow gotten past that time and they were late, but they didn't hurry their walk aft. Blades took Ellen's hand and she raised no objection. Schoolboyish, no doubt. However, he had reached the reluctant conclusion that for all his dishonourable intentions, this affair wasn't likely to go beyond the schoolboy stage. Not that he wouldn't keep trying. As they glided through the refining and synthesizing section, which filled the broad half of the asteroid, the noise of pumps and regulators rose until it throbbed in their bones. Ellen gestured at one of the pipes which crushed the corridor overhead. Do you really handle that big a volume at a time? she asked above the racket. No, he said. Didn't I explain before? The pipe's thick because it's so heavily armored. I'm glad you don't use that dreadful word cladded. But why the armor? High pressure? Partly. Also, there's an inertrons lining. Jupiter gas is hellishly reactive at room temperature. Metallic complexes, especially. But think what a witch's brew the stuff is in every respect. Once it's been refined, of course, we have less trouble. That particular pipe is carrying it raw. They left the noise behind and passed on to the approach control dome at the receptor end. The two men on duty glanced up and immediately went back to their instruments. Radio voices were staccato in the air. Blades led Ellen to an observation port. She drew a sharp breath. Outside, the broken ground fell away to space and the stars. The ovoid that was the ship hung against them, lit by the hidden sun, a giant even at her distance, but dwarfed by the balloon she towed. As that bubble tried ponderously to rotate, rainbow gleams ran across it, hiding and then revealing the constellations. Here on the asteroid's axis there was no weight, and one moved, with underwater smoothness, as if disembodied. 
Oh, a fairy tale, Ellen sighed. Four sparks flashed out of the boat blisters along the ship's hull. Scoop ships, Blades told her. They haul the cargo in, being so much more maneuverable. Actually, though, the mother vessel is going to park her load in orbit, while those boys bring in another one. See, there it comes into sight. We still haven't got the capacity to keep up with our deliveries. How many are there, scoop ships, that is? Twenty, but you don't need more than four for this job. They've got terrific power. Have to, if they're to die from orbit down into the Jovian atmosphere, ram themselves full of gas and come back. There they go. The palace castle was wrestling the great sphere she had hauled from Jupiter into a stable path computed by central control. Meanwhile, the scoop ships, small only by comparison with her, locked onto the other balloon as it drifted close. Energy poured into their dry fields. Spiring downward, transparent globe and four laboring spacecraft vanished behind the horizon. The palace completed her own task, disengaged her tow bars and dropped from view, headed for the dock. The second balloon rose again, like a huge glass moon on the opposite side of the sword. Still it grew in Ellen's eyes, kilometer by kilometer of approach. So much mass wasn't easily handled, but the braking curve looked disdainfully smooth. Presently she could make out the scoop ships in detail, elongated teardrops with the intake gates yawning in the blunt forward end, cockpit canopies raised very slightly above. Instructions rattled from the men in the dome. The balloon veered clumsily toward the one free receptor. A derrick-like structure released one end of a cable, which streamed skyward. Things that Ellen couldn't quite follow in this tricky light were done by the four tugs, mechanisms of their own extended to make their tow fast to the cable. They did not cast loose at once, but continued to drag a little, easing the impact of centrifugal force. Nonetheless, a slight shudder went through the dome as slack was taken up. Then the job was over. The scoop ships let go and flitted off to join their mother vessel. The balloon was winched inward. Space-suited men moved close, preparing to couple valves together, and eventually... Blade said into the abrupt quietness, that cargo will become food, fabric, vitriol, plasterboard, reagents, fuels, a hundred different things. That's what we're here for. I've never seen anything so wonderful, Ellen said raptly. He laid an arm around her waist. The intercom chose at precise moment to blare, Attention, emergency, all hands to emergency stations. Blades, get to Jen's office on the double. All hands to emergency stations. Blades was running before the siren had begun to howl. Rear Admiral Barclay Hulse had come in person. He stood as if on parade, towering over Jung. The asteroite was red with fury. Avis Page crouched in a corner, her eyes terrified. Blades barreled through the doorway and stopped, hardly short of a collision. What's the matter, he puffed. Plenty, Jung snarled. These incredible fumble-fumbed oafs! His voice broke. When he gets mad, it means something. Hulse nailed Blades with a glance. Good day, sir, he clipped. I have to report a regrettable accident which will require you to evacuate the station. Temporarily, I hope. Huh? As I told Mr. Jung and Miss Page, a nuclear missile has escaped us. If it explodes, the radiation will be lethal, even in the heart of the asteroid. What? What? Blades could only gobble at him. Fortunately, the palace castle is here. She can take your whole complement aboard and move to a safe distance while we search for the object. How the devil? Hulse allowed himself a look of exasperation. Evidently, I'll have to repeat myself to you. Very well. You know we have had to make some adjustments on our launches. What you did not know was the reason. 
Under the circumstances, I think it's permissible to tell you that several of them have a new and secret experimental control system. One of our missions on this cruise was to carry out field tests. Well, it turned out that the system is still full of, uh, bugs. Gunnery Command has endless troubles with it. Has had to keep tinkering the whole way from Earth. Half an hour ago, while Commander Warburton was completing a reassembly, lower ranks aren't allowed in the test turrets. Something happened. I can't tell you my guess as to what, but if you want to imagine that a relay got stuck, that'll do for practical purposes. A missile was released under power. Not a dummy, the real thing. And release automatically arms the warhead. The news was like a hammer blow. Blades spoke an obscenity. Sweat sprang forth under his arms and trickled down his ribs. No such thing was expected, Hoth went on. It's an utter disaster, and the designers of the system aren't likely to get any more contracts. But as matters were, no radar fix was gotten on it, and it was too soon, too far away for gyrogravitic pulse detection. The thrust vector is unknown. It could be almost anywhere now. Well, naval missiles are programmed to reverse acceleration if they haven't made a target within a given time. This one should be back in less than six hours. If it first detects our ship, everything is all right. It has optical recognition circuits that identify any North American warcraft by type, disarm the warhead, and steer it home. But if it first comes within 50 kilometers of some other mass, like this asteroid or one of the companion rocks, it will detonate. We'll make every effort to intercept, but space is big. They'll have to take your people to a safe distance. They can come back even after a blast, of course. There's no concussion in vacuum, and the fireball won't reach here. It's principally an anti-personnel weapon. But you must not be within a lethal radius of radiation. The hell we can come back, Avis cried. I beg your pardon, Hoss said. You imbecile! Don't you know central control here is cryotronic? Hoss did not flicker an eyelid. So it is, he said expressionlessly. I had forgotten. Blades mastered his own shock enough to grate, well, we sure haven't. If that thing goes off, the gamma burst will kick up so many minority carriers in the transistors that the P-type crystals will act N-type, and the N-type act P-type for a whole couple of microseconds. Every one of them will flip simultaneously. The computer's memory and program data systems will be scrambled beyond hope of reorganization. Magnetic pulse, too, Jung said. The fireball plasma will be full of inhomogeneities moving at several percent of light speed. Their electromagnetic output hitting our magnetic core units will turn them from super to ordinary conduction. Same effect, total computer amnesia. We haven't got enough shielding against it. Your Tim systems can take that kind of a beating. Ours can't. Very regrettable, Hoth said. You'd have to reprogram everything. Reprogram what? Avis retorted. Tears started forth in her eyes. We've told you what sort of stuff our chemical plant is handling. We can't shut it down on that short notice. It'll run wild. There'll be sodium explosions, hydrogen, organic combustion. Nothing left here but wreckage. Hulse didn't unbend a centimeter. I offer my most sincere apologies. If actual harm does occur, I'm sure the government will indemnify you. And of course, my command will furnish what supplies may be needed for the palace castle to transport you to the nearest commissioned base. At the moment, though, you can do nothing but evacuate and hope we will be able to intercept the missile. Blades knotted his fists. A sudden comprehension rushed up in him, and he bellowed, There isn't going to be an interception. This wasn't an accident. Hulse backed a step and drew himself even straighter. Don't get overwrought, he advised. You louse-bitten, egg-sucking, bloated faggot porter. How stupid do you think we are? As stupid as your SJ bosses? By heaven, we're staying. And see if you have the nerve to murder a hundred people. Mike! Mike! Avis caught his arm. Hulse turned to Jung. 
I'll overlook that unseemly outburst, he said, but in light of my responsibilities, and under the provisions of the Constitution, I am hereby putting this asteroid under martial law. You will have all personnel aboard the powerless castle, and at the minimum distance of a thousand kilometers within four hours of this moment, or be subject to arrest and trial. Now I have to get back and commence operations. The Altair will maintain radio contact with you. Good day, he bowed curtly, spun on his heel, and clacked from the room. Blades started to charge after him. Jung caught his free arm. Together he and Avis dragged him to a stop. He stood, cursing, the air ultraviolet until Ellen entered. I couldn't keep up with you, she panted. What's happened, Mike? The strength drained from Blades. He slumped into a chair and covered his face. <laughs>